This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. My name is John Keane and I'll be sitting in this week for John Purcell who is away. Later on the programme, we'll hear from a Canadian woman called Rebecca McKenzie who heads up the Culinary Tourism Alliance, an organisation that combines destinations from all around the world, working together to improve local food offerings. She was in Kilkenny for the Savour Food Festival and for the launch of the new Kilkenny Food Strategy. We'll also be hearing a report from Eamon Eve Rainon, who earlier this week broadcast a very special programme from the Arboretum in Lachlan Bridge, featuring all the award winners from this year's Carlo Chamber Business Awards. But first, more good news on the jobs front for Kilkenny. Over the last number of weeks, we've brought you news of a range of job announcements in the area. From AB Agri to Security Risk Advisors, who together announced over 100 new jobs for the area. These come on the back of other announcements from the Taxback Group and Glanbia. Last week brought more good news as Integro, a Kilkenny-based company, announced the opening of a new fibre network design centre of excellence in the city and announced another 50 new jobs for Kilkenny. The official launch of the new centre was carried out by EU Trade Commissioner Phil Hogan and shortly you'll hear Commissioner Hogan speaking with John Purcell. But first, Sunon caught up with Jim Doyle, a Kilkenny native who was the managing director of Integro. Jim started in the fibre connection business as a teenager in London. Sue asked him to speak about how he got started on the road to bring him to this big day. Started out quite young in this industry, obviously learnt our skills along the way and have developed, evolved. The industries continue to evolve, so we need to evolve with that. But um, in order to evolve, you must bring good people with you. So... I've assembled a great team and that's the people that's delivering today, they deliver each and every day. And in a word, what is it you do? It's fibre, it's all to do with so, broadband and so So on. today we are um, designing networks. So homes, businesses, schools and people in general, it's all about capacity and bandwidth. How do you get bandwidth to people at a standstill or at their home? So copper networks are now antique these networks need to be upgraded. It's not just an Irish problem, it's a global issue. And fibre is the new mechanism, is the new method that must be deployed. And once the fibre is deployed, that basically opens the, the, the gateway and the pipe to uh, all the opportunities. And you're um, announcing 50 new jobs today, which will bring you to 180, I think. No, it'll be, it'll be 150. Yeah. But... We have various projects. So we have projects in Ireland, in the UK, and um, we're about to embark on something into the US, which is quite sensitive at the moment, but will be a massive project uh, when we get going. So in Ireland here, we're currently at 100. We have people in the UK. We have a training centre in Dublin. So everything is based out of Kilkenny. However, there'll be 40 engineers required in the States. There'll be 20 plus required in, in um, the UK right. and another 40 in Kilkenny here. And you're hiring? So today we are hiring. That's brilliant. Um, young, vibrant, skills. Um, we, will, we will bring people, we will develop them, we'll uh, transfer the knowledge. It's all about empowering the people. Okay, and from all over the world, as the yes. Commissioner Yes, yeah, so from today we, um, when we had a skills shortage here back in 2008, um, the Indian um, people, and they have a great culture, they have a great uh, work ethic. So I happened to meet somebody in Dublin that was in our industry. I brought him on. He brought two of his colleagues. And then three years ago, 
um, our first female planner arrived from India and she's um, she's brilliant. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. Phil Hogan, first of all, congratulations on your appointment as EU Trade Commissioner. Good to be back in Kilkenny, though, for a good news story like today. Yes, it's great to be back to see a Freshford man and a Westmead man coming together to give 50 new jobs here in Kilkenny City and Danville Business Park today. They are very, uh, of course, well up on the technology of fibre optic cables and digital divide and the, all the various issues around telecommunications, much more than I am. But I'm, I'm delighted to be asked to formally announce these 50 new jobs here in Kilkenny. And it's a very important area. I spoke to you last year about smart villages and the whole importance of broadband for the economic development of areas like Kilkenny City and County. Yes, well, of course, it's a huge issue. And uh, the, you know, the national broadband strategy now is about to be launched by the government. But the rural areas have to get all of the various technologies if you want to have vibrant rural areas. You cannot do with, uh, in the modern world without bridging this divide, uh, digital divide that we have between urban and rural at the moment. So it's companies like Integro that uh, Jim Dial and Fintan Shortle are involved in are going to bridge those particular, fill those gaps and bridge the divide in order to allow the citizens to have a better quality of life wherever they live, whether it's rural or urban. So you're still committed to Kilkenny, but a very broader perspective now. Uh, a bulging inbox in your new role. What are the top things? Brexit, obviously. Uh, China, the US. Well, sure. I'm told by the President of the European Commission that I have to sort the relationship with the United States sort out the, the World Trade Organization and reform it, uh, resolve the issues in relation to China and a level playing pitch around e-commerce and develop a digital trade agenda and of course I'll be centrally involved in a free trade agreement with the United Kingdom uh, whenever Brexit happens. So I, I, I seem to always get a, t- a difficult job but sure, anyway, it's good to be there. Um, ask a kick any man. Um, on the Brexit thing, presuming this uh, Brexit uh, withdrawal agreement goes through which there's big question marks over talk of, of concluding the future trade agreement in like 15 or 16 months a very tall order well we're not starting from scratch because there's a question of do the UK want to stay in the existing rules and disciplines and regulations and uh, I'm sure that they will do their checks in terms of whether which ones they want to stay in and which ones they want to go out of but what we will be looking for is as close a possible relationship between the European Union and the UK and a level playing field in relation to doing business in the future and uh, I think we can do this within a shorter period of time than the normal free trade agreement. Um, Our European partners standing very shoulder to shoulder with Ireland over the last couple of months Um, a lot of work on that behind the scenes? Well, I think that the Irish people should always be grateful for the European Union, for the huge show of solidarity they were with a small country like Ireland, uh, you know, in the, in the teeth of a very difficult negotiation with our nearest big brother in the United Kingdom. So the Taoiseach and the government and the, all of the diplomatic staff in the, in the European Union that have worked very hard on this over the last three years uh, can see the value of having solidarity uh, for Ireland in the European Union and to achieve the objectives of an all-Ireland economy no hard border on the island of Ireland and the protection of the Good Friday Agreement uh, and to allow trade to continue as, as much as possible uh, without any bureaucratic interruption between the island of Ireland and the European Union and the island of Ireland and the United Kingdom. So it's rather ironic that Mrs May's deal was probably a more uh, beneficial deal to Northern Ireland than the one perhaps that they have now in hindsight because they have some regulations now that's going to cause a little bit of bureaucracy for them between Northern Ireland and the UK. But that's what the Democratic Unionist Party insisted upon and uh, I think they made a mistake in December 2017 
politically, but that's now we have a deal on the table and we want the, the British Parliament to ratify it and we wait to see what the length of an extension of time for to allow them to do that. Many challenges, but are you optimistic? I am, always optimistic. John Purcell there talking to EU Trade Commissioner Phil Hogan at the launch of the new Integro Fibre Network Centre of Excellence in Danville Business Park last week. And before that, you heard Sue Nunn speaking with Jim Doyle, who is the Managing Director of Integro. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Now the Saver Kilkenny Food Festival was once again a great success this year with people involved in food from a range of different angles converging on Kilkenny City to take part in a range of events celebrating all that's good about food and the business of food. Culinary tourism is an ever-growing business category and the success of the Savour Festival itself, with thousands of people thronging the streets to sample all sorts of food offerings, testament to the economic dividends that come with quality food-based events. John Purcell caught up with one such visitor to Kilkenny, who had come all the way from Canada to talk to people in Kilkenny about developing the food tourism offering of the city and county. Hi, I'm Rebecca McKenzie, the President and CEO of the Culinary Tourism Alliance, and I'm here to help kick off the launch of the Kilkenny Food Strategy. Uh, this is your first visit to Kilkenny, I think, but you've been uh, working with the folks developing the strategy over the last couple of months. Can you tell us about that? Sure, yes. Yeah. So it is my first visit to Kilkenny. It's about my seventh time to Ireland, so I'm no stranger uh, to uh, the food scene here in the country. I've been working with James Burke and Associate um, as they've developed the new five-year strategy for, for Kilkenny, and we've been contributing in our capacity as an organisation that works with destinations to grow their economies through connecting agriculture and tourism. And uh, how's it been? What do you make of the food scene in Kilkenny, its potential, where it's strong, what it needs to do more of? Well, I think there's certainly uh, a great breadth of, of offerings across the food tourism value chain. And when we refer to that, we're looking at everything from farms and added value food and beverage processors to every type of restaurant from a food truck to fine dining. And then those types of experiences like you've got on this weekend, Savor Kilkenny. Certainly there's enough uh, product out there, but what's really important is just to really grow that pride in place locally and see more locals celebrating what is grown and raised and produced here and really trying to put more um, of a showcase on that so that when consumers come to Kilkenny it's easy for them to find that taste of place but it's inherently a part of your local culture first and foremost. So local to local is the good starting point. Can we do a lot more in that respect do you think? There's always room for growth, John. So yes, I would say absolutely, you know, to see more of the restaurants call out uh, local uh, growers and producers, see more of your craft beer and your spirits on the menus, certainly to sort of thread that through all all four seasons, not just in the summer months when things are coming out of the ground, but really to celebrate that uh, 24-7, 365. You're involved in the Culinary Tourism Alliance. Um, uh, you've grown that out of your own experience in your own home uh, city in, in Canada. What kind of things does it actually mean? You know, we can talk about strategies and all that sort of stuff, but what are people actually doing that's working? So um, I actually started my career uh, over 20 years ago in a small rural community called Prince Edward County, a primarily agricultural community with a population of 25,000. Through uh, very concentrated efforts of bringing together tourism and agriculture, we took tourism spending from $6 million in 1998 to over $20 million in 2008. I then went on to, to take my current role with the provincial organization. And uh, over the last uh, 12 years, we've seen destinations develop everything from, uh, you know, great 
cheese trails. There's an apple pie trail in uh, uh, northern part of Ontario that's uh, that's an incredible experience. I mean, there's everything from festivals that celebrate uh, cask beers uh, to a craft cider uh, festivals. So really, again, it's wherever that consumer can have that taste or taste of place experience. What we do know is that travelers want to immerse themselves in a destination and they you know, there's only one thing they're guaranteed to do three times a day when they're traveling, and that's eating. And if they can really have that connection to place by meeting the people and the producers behind the food culture, not only does that give a lasting impact, that taste memory, but they'll become some of your best ambassadors. And while they might have come to Kilkenny for, say, the castle or, or maybe a different type of festival, if they have a great taste of place experience, they'll be back and they'll tell all their friends about it. So you know Ireland pretty well. Your first time in Kilkenny. What's impressed you about the area? Oh, it's a, it's a really, really sweet city. I love that you can walk everywhere. And to me, you know, as somebody who loves to eat and drink, I love that I don't have to pick up and get out of a car. But I also, this is my first time driving in Ireland, and I have to say it's, it's been a great experience. And there's so many things close by. You know, nothing is really too far. Um, I, I uh, went last night to, and I'm, am I, I going to say it correctly? It's the uh, Ruccini? Ruccini's? Rinocini's. Oh my gosh, I had a great meal. The service was amazing. And I love how you open the menu and on the first page, they list all of the suppliers that they support. So that to me was a a really great first start Uh, tonight. I'm going to enjoy one of the events of Savor Kilkenny. And I feel like I've got lots of time to to stay and explore. So I'll just have to come back for more. Yeah. uh, What links are you hoping to forge that could maybe last with your culinary tourism uh, network? So certainly in working with the folks uh, around the Kilkenny um, uh, food strategy, we are exploring how uh, our experience in developing a food service certification program, our, in, ours in Ontario is called Feast On, a certified t- uh, taste of Ontario. Now that might be something um, as one of the recommendations that they could adopt and learn from us. Certainly we'll see that go where it goes. It's early days yet, and I think they have to you know, take this strategy to the next step by getting the steering committee involved. And really you know, the most important thing is getting the business entrepreneurs along the food tourism value chain to really own this like it, it's not for government to implement it has to be the industry that sees the potential of not only attracting people here but getting them to linger longer spend more and by way of that uh, giving the business operators an opportunity to diversify their income and there's a big uh, public awareness piece to it as well in, in in educating people to ask the right questions so that it kind of prods along the the people in the business end too Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the biggest things uh, that we've identified in our work is, is is that authenticity piece. And so really making sure that um, we're helping the consumer make educated and informed decisions. I think one of the biggest challenges we're seeing globally is this piece around people caring more about where their food comes from and what they're putting in their mouth. So as much as this is an, is a, is a, an, an, a process of getting the locals engaged, it really just does help everybody at the, in the end game. Um, but it will take time. Uh, it is about building relationships. It's about building that network. As you know, we've globalized and industrialized our food systems. Many people thrive on, and live on uh, fast food. So it's about sort of, it's, it's, it's a mindset um, and it's a movement and movements don't happen overnight, but we need the locals to believe that food actually can um, help to strengthen this economy. And, and certainly I think overall, the biggest piece I'll go back to is that pride and p- place piece. Um, just finally, going back to your the transformation in, in the tourism and food tourism revenues in your own home area in Canada from 1998 to 2008. What was the key factor in that such, you know, you tripled the revenue? What was the secret? 
So this, the secret sauce uh, was actually, um, so the organization that I was running at the time was uh, a destination mar- more marketing organization, but we partnered really, really closely with our local municipality. So the economic development folks saw the value of connecting food and tourism. What we did was we created shoulder season experiences. We developed a taste trail. We developed uh, Maplelicious. It's a celebration of the first harvest of the year, maple syrup. Uh, we did an amazing taste, a celebration of regional cuisine. So we really fro- focused on building new products and experiences that weren't taking place in peak uh, tourism season, which used to be uh, the summer. And uh, now we certainly see a much more of a, like a nine month of the year robust tourism. Um, but also it really what it was, it was about bringing all of the stakeholders together, having regular town hall meetings, getting people to, to buy in or pay to play, if you will, and really have some skin in the game. So that ultimately, even though I was running the not-for-profit organization, um, uh, everybody felt like they owned a piece of it and they saw the benefits and it's had a, a long-lasting repercussion. All of those things I, I developed well over a decade ago still exist today. Rebecca McKenzie there, the President and CEO of the Culinary Tourism Alliance, speaking to John Purcell at the Saver Kilkenny Food Festival. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the South East. Before our next item, I'd just like to remind you about Amplitude 2019, the Conference on Disruptive Innovation, which is taking place in the Lyrath Estate Hotel in Kilkenny on Wednesday next, November the 6th. Over the last number of weeks, we feature some of the issues and themes which will be explored at the conference. If you are in business or you have an issue or a business challenge, this conference is for you, as it brings together a huge range of organisations and resources, all dedicated to helping local business to grow. And the good news is, there will be lots of information there as how business can secure funding to fund research and development in association with the locally based technology gateways and Institute of Technology Research Centres. If you'd like to find out more or to book a ticket, check out the website www.amplitude.ie. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. Mushrooms are a big business in County Carlow. However, many of our listeners may not realise that Leslie Codd started Cod Mushrooms at the age of just 17. He started growing mushrooms on a small scale, but today he employs 250 people and his company is diversifying into construction. Earlier this week, he spoke to Ewan Evrainon about how his firm won the overall Carlo Business of the Year award last month. Leslie Codd joins me now. Leslie, it's a huge um, award that you won, the overall top award with the Carlo Chamber very recently. Um, how did it feel on the night? Yeah, it was a great surprise. We certainly didn't expect to win it. Um, there was some very strong contenders in that group, but we were delighted to win and absolutely surprised. We never heard a thing until our name was called out. And you told me there on KCLR Live just earlier on that you employ 250 people at your plant in County Carlow. That's a huge amount of employees. That's right, yeah. We're 30 years in business this year and it's steadily grown since back in 1989. And um, we've risen staff numbers steadily over the years and we're, we're at 250 and we've got plans for expansion next year as well. What's the most challenging thing about your business? 
Um, it's a very fast-moving business. Uh, we, we have a very perishable product, so it needs to be harvested and cooled and packed and delivered and um, consumed within a week. So we don't get time to hold stock, and it has to be a very fast stock rotation. So that's difficult. Um, staff is difficult. It's always hard to get um, good staff. We're very lucky with the staff that we have. But um, it's, it's just becoming increasingly more difficult over the last number of years to get staff. Okay, and a lot of the employers that we spoke to this morning are recruiting at the moment. Uh, so in one sense, you think that's a positive sign, um, but it is, a ch- it is a challenge, you know, as you've described. Yeah, it's, it's always a challenge to, to recruit the right staff. Um, we're currently recruiting as well. We're kind of always on an recruitment drive because uh, we've, 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 got, um, uh, we've, we've got a reasonably high um, staff loss every year as well. So we're always employing to replace them. But um, no, I have to say now, it's, um, business is reasonably good over the last number of years and we, we were never really affected by the recession the only upside to the recession uh, would have been, I suppose, that it was easier for to get staff in, in that period. Um, there was not as many job opportunities as there would be now. Um, so I suppose there are pros and cons. Okay, interesting to hear that. Now, where you're based, you know, you've you've decided to locate yourself in rural County Carlow. Is that the best place for your business, do you think? We don't have to be in an urban location. Um, the downside of being out in the country is um, getting staff to work and housing. Uh, so that always creates its own challenge. Um, it, it's where we're situated is our home farm that we were raised in. So obviously the land was there to expand onto instead of having to buy commercial land in a town or city so yeah i think that we're well enough we're well enough located uh, close to the main distribution centers for the supermarkets so um yeah i'm kind of pleased enough where we are at the moment it's a family business then i take it um who's involved um myself my brother my sister my parents are still helping out to a point. Um, There's a few other family members involved as well, so very much a family business, yeah. Who set up the business? I did back in 1989 um, at the age of 17, so uh, it's been a long way since then, but uh, yeah, no, we're still there. So were you in school when this started as an idea, or how did it come about? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. um, Started just after I left school. I didn't go down the college route, uh, which I often regret sometimes, but uh, no, straight out of school, straight into this business. Okay, and your idea was to grow mushrooms. So, did you start on a small scale, or how did you how did you find out more? Because there's a lot of science behind it these days. You know, conditions have to be perfect. I take it. Yeah, it's very computer controlled. Um, you're right. I just started uh, just myself and a few staff, and uh, it just grew steadily. And my brother became involved, and uh, then other family members came involved, and we expanded. And yeah, it's been a kind of a steady climb since then. And did you think or did you have a plan when you started out? Did you ever envisage that you'd be here, you know, after having employed 250 people, uh, that the business would be going from strength to strength? No, never would have expected that in my wildest dreams. Uh, But that's the way things go. You just take opportunities as they come and you run with it. Um, Nobody, I think, could uh, predict where they would be in uh, two, three years time, let alone 20, 30 years time.
A lot of your business, um, you've mentioned off-air, is business to business. Uh, so dealing with a lot of the big multiples, the supermarkets, um, they seem to be somewhat impacted by Brexit. Therefore, is there any knock-on impact for you or have you figured that out? We're not very much affected by Brexit because we concentrate very much on the Irish market. We export a very small amount of product. Um, our compost comes from Northern Ireland. It's a little bit of management on that as regards paperwork at the border. But we are reasonably uh, unaffected by the outcome of Brexit, whichever way it's going to go. Okay. And just in general, your thoughts on some of the other business stories, did you get a chance to mingle on the night? Did you get a chance to maybe find out about some stories that you were unaware of? Yeah, I, I spoke to a few of the um, of the finalists and heard some stories. It's amazing, as I say, there's some companies that you wouldn't really know of or have heard of and... Um, you hear how successful they are and everybody seems to have the same challenges and it's it's great to mingle amongst those people um, on an evening like the the Carlo Chamber Awards and just discuss issues that we that we've that we've all got and uh, you'd be surprised how similar those issues are when you speak to people finally just back to the family business end of things and the last thing I'll ask you because it often comes up as an issue um, on business shows and elsewhere succession is a huge thing Um, how do you work your way through that do you sit down as a family or do you have a succession plan yeah we're starting to talk about it now Um, myself and my brother are kind of nearing 50 so uh, we've got kids of similar age um, do they have an interest? They're probably a little bit young to know yet and uh, I'd be delighted if my kids would get involved in the business as would Raymond um, but we have to let them decide their own path but we've got a few years left before we have to make some firm rules on and, uh, on, on succession but absolutely it needs to be discussed sooner rather than later because a lot of companies run into trouble when it becomes too late they surely do it'll be lovely though to hand on a business to the next generation you know it's it's something that a lot of places take huge pride in we're standing here in the arboretum uh, Rachel Doyle who's still obviously very involved but she's handed the mantle over to her sons as well so it's nice to see companies that can do that and provide and provide employment for their children yeah absolutely Rachel's um uh, and, uh, a great example of that uh, I would be delighted um, to be able to pass this on to my kids but as I say um, everybody has to go down their own path and I wouldn't like to force anybody into a business that they weren't comfortable in Leslie, thank you very much for joining us and continued success if anybody wants to find out more um, have you got a website or where can we find more? Um, find out more about Cod Mushrooms? Yeah, codmushrooms.ie and uh, yeah, that's all about our business and there's some videos there as well that you can see on how the process takes place and uh, yeah, if, if um, anybody wants a tour of the plant, give us a call and they're very welcome to come in to have a look around. My thanks to Emer Nivrenan and our guest Leslie Codd. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. That's all we've got time for this week on the programme. Thanks to all our guests this week and to the team at KCLR who reported on the programme. John Purcell, Sue Nunn and Emer Nivrainan. Thank you to Deirdre Drummy who produced. I'm John Keane thanking you for listening to The Bottom Line here on KCLR. Until next week at the same time with John Purcell. Have a lovely weekend. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.onf.ie